Welcome to Batcast 66. It's the podcast where every other week, give or take, we watch an episode of the Batman 66 television show and talk about it. My name's Kendall. And I'm Scott. Today we're talking about Hot Off the Griddle. It's the third episode of uh, the second season. Yeah, I guess before we get started in that stuff, uh, we'll say Happy New Year. Oh, uh, yeah. Happy New Year. First episode of 2024. Yeah, although it is 2023 when we're recording it. Well, they don't need to know that. Oh, uh, yeah. But yeah, thanks, uh, everyone, for listening to us for another year. Have a bunch of pointless thoughts about a TV show that's almost 60 years old. I was thinking about that with the new year. In two years, it'll be the 60th anniversary of the show. We might still have episodes to do, so maybe that might we might do something fun for that. But I guess we'll cross that bridge when we get there, right? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I wonder. I wonder where we'll be by then. There's a lot of episodes of season two. Yeah, there's a long way to go, but um. Maybe notice we got a little off our normal schedule. We still had two episodes come out in December because we had a Christmas episode prepared. But um, for a couple between just scheduling with the holidays and stuff. But I also had COVID for a couple of weeks and I was knocked out. Um, I still have a, a cough, so I'm gonna do my best to like edit it out as we go. But it might still creep in, so that might be why. But I'm probably gonna have that for a while because it did some like lasting damage to my lungs. Which so that's fun. I'm sure we'll make good audio uh, content. Yeah. Can't wait to listen to that for weeks to come. But yeah, I'll be using the mute button liberally on my phone. But in case there's some edits I can't edit around, there might that might slip in. But I'll do my best to to minimize all that. Oh yeah. Well, hopefully you just feel better soon. Yeah, you and me both. So yeah, hot off the griddle, written by Stanley Ralph Ross, and directed by Don Weiss. Don Weiss is definitely been involved before do you recognize the stanley ralph ross name no i think that's new i know i've seen dan dan weiss uh or not dan don weiss uh pop up a few times i don't remember any specific episodes he did but i know i i, it, I recognize the name yeah oh well very cool just looking at uh stanley's wikipedia page he's done some acting in a lot of things I've never seen, and then his last role is in Babe Pig in the City. Well, that's great. Is he the is he the farm uh the farmer? No, he he's not in Babe One, which I think okay. I've only seen Babe One. It's been a long time since I've watched the Babe movies, but I remember really liking them. And Babe Two, it's good, but it's wildly different. Which is kind of cool. He's done a lot of cool screenwriting gigs. He started with The Man from Uncle, which is like contemporary to Batman. Have you yeah, seen- I know. I think they did a crossover with the comics. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, which is pretty cool. He also has done The Monkees, which is a show I dig. I used to watch that when I was a kid. I think it was on Nick at Night. I don't remember much about it um, specifically, but I do remember watching it. I mean, they're just the monkeys. People say they're monkeying around. Yeah, I do um, remember the theme song. But He's also written for All in the Family, which is a, a show I liked as a kid. I, You know what? I was recently trying to, like, that was like, oh, it's a classic sitcom. Like, I've seen bits and pieces over the years, but I was like, I, I was going to binge it because I think it's on Hulu or something. But, like, it's not a show I 
feel like I binge. I can binge. Yeah. I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just saying like I I wanted to watch like all of it and I just haven't. Yeah. Uh, the last thing I'll bring up of from his writing credits is a uh, Wonder Woman, the the seventies. Oh really? Yeah. That's cool. I noticed um some references to. I don't know how intentional they were to other uh another DC character in this these this episode, which I guess we'll talk about when when we come across them. It was this episode. It might have been this episode mixed with the uh, the the next one. I watched them back to back. Yeah, me too. I I think you're talking about the next one, but maybe yeah. we'll see. Well, there was stuff. There was definitely stuff in this one. Dang! So he's also done voiceover work. He he's he was the voice of Gorilla Grodd in Super Friends. Oh, that's cool. I don't and even remember also, Grodd in that show. Yeah, me neither. He also took over as voice actor for Brainiac in the the Super Friends series uh, after the death of the the previous Brainiac voice actor. It's fun. Yeah. Um. I mean, I don't have any other fun tidbits other than some of like the goons are in some interesting uh, TV shows as well. But I figure we can talk about them as they come up. Sure. Sounds good to me. (laughs) All right. Well, shall we dig into the episode? Anything else? No, let's sink our claws into it. Ooh. Yeah, we start out. It's a quiet night in Gotham and a cat burglar breaks into a department store but uh all he does is take a uh catalog uh and after circling the first three letters of the word catalog he drops it out the window with a parachute down to a mysterious clawed figure yeah uh the parachute angle is strange in my opinion i thought it was a pretty fun scene although i was like what what is so special yeah well I'll be honest with you, I didn't realize it was Catwoman until he circled the word cat. And I was like, oh, it's a Catwoman episode. That's right. Because uh, my DVD just picked up where I left off, which was in the credits of the last episode. But uh, yeah, so, you know, obviously now we've got the return of Catwoman. Yeah, uh, pretty cool. They like kind of keep her face hidden, which I thought was interesting. Yeah, that was neat. So like, I think the mo- the movie would have come out between the first two seasons. So, like we have seen, like like it's obvious that it's Catwoman. Yeah, well, and also she was in the first season for an episode. Yeah, and she was in she was in an episode of that too. But like the movie was a pretty high profile thing if you were following the show at the time. Yeah, like, I know it was a different actress in the movie, but maybe know. it was like shot that way to be like, oh look, Julie Newmar is back. I guess, but they don't really like keep that going because I think by the end of the cold open, we see her right. Yeah, definitely. So, yeah, so after the department store, we see a similar scene at um at a, like a at the nautical society where they steal a, a model of a, a catamaran. Which Did they say like, catamaran off the bat? Because I was like, why is this just a boat? Because I know they say catamaran later. And I was like, oh, okay. Uh, I mean, I don't know if they say it in this direct scene. I don't know. If, I don't think. Yeah, really I didn't remember talking. if they did or didn't, but. Uh, it was the next one that like threw me off for a while. I was like, why did she steal that? Yeah, it was uh, three three mittens yeah. uh, from the apartment building. But it's eventually revealed in the, the next part of it that it's the, uh, the guy's, the family's last name's Kitten. And I was like, oh, three little mittens, our kittens lost their mittens. It's part of a nursery rhyme. Yeah. I was like, that, that's a stretch. I mean, circling cat and catalog was also really stupid. And how would they even notice that that was stolen? 
because it was on like a big pile of catalogs. Well, like, it's very clear that this little thing is kind of just be like, ah, she's just kind of announcing like I'm Catwoman and I'm back. Yeah, you know? which uh, Gordon and O'Hara quickly pick up on that <laughs> it has to be her. Well, yeah, which to their credit, I'm glad that they did. Yeah, because this wasn't like as overtly like cat themed as it could have been. Like she could have stolen like cat statues like she did the first time or whatever. Yeah, but uh, they figure it out pretty dang quick and call Batman. I was thinking about this during the scene, and it's funny that it happened. Uh, like I had this thought, like now, the bat phone is like so much of a better idea than the bat signal. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. Because, like, the bat signal's cool, and it's, like, a nice dramatic visual. And I know they have that in this show, too. And I think they do mention that it's more for just, like, the villains or, like, criminals in the city to, like, know that Batman's out and about. I was just, like, in so many movies, like, the, like when we talked about Batman Returns, the, like, the opening scene after the, the, you know, after the credits is, like, this convoluted, like, mirror system. So that way, like, Bruce Wayne in his bat cave knows that the bat signal's on. I'm like, I don't know. It's just one of those things I was thinking about. I was like, oh, yeah, the bat phone's really cool. Yeah, but, all right, yeah. here's here's my take on it. The bat phone, while it is, like, way more direct, like, if Batman was out and about, and I mean, you know, this was all before cell phones and car phones. Well, no, there is one in the Batmobile. They've used it in episodes past. Oh, yeah, you're right. Yeah. Even so. Yeah, to I'm, be fair, like, yeah, Batman can be, like, out in the middle of a caper or something. Yeah, you know? like, if they need to, like, summon him and they can't get a hold of him on the phone. Yeah, like, now he would have, like, an earpiece in his cowl or something, too. But then, I think that's... I, I still think it's cool, and, like, outside of this series and, like, show... Like, things that, like, directly reference this, like, they don't use it. And I, I well, think that would be cool to have. So... But no, here's my thing. Outside yeah. of this show, I think that the Bat phone, Batman wouldn't have the Bat phone. In this show, Batman's like a deputized yeah. enforcer. So like he's not worried about like the police. Like, like he knows the police are definitely on his side. They're not gonna like get into his business. But like in other continuities, he like is a seek like he like definitely helps the police, but he's not a cop. And like, they could just be like, I wonder who Batman is. Let's call him on the phone and like trace his line. I know, but I, I, I know, and I know that that's one of the things people like about Batman. Is he's like more of this vigilante or whatever, but like, I, it's one of those things like I, I would like that and to come up, like, I'm sure that they can do one where it's like the justice league or whatever, you know, like it doesn't have to be a big flashing red phone. Like the, president has for nuclear missiles but like you know i i, I just think that i just thought it, i i don't know what it was about this scene that made me be like wow the bat phone's really cool and i really like it <laughs> interesting because we've seen it like every episode yeah i i don't know i like the the bat signal i think that's like visually way cooler oh i'm not gonna deny that it's like a really neat iconic thing and like it's very dramatic and striking and like they use it over the credits of every episode of the show for a reason. That's true. But like, it, it is very cool, but it's, I've always thought like, it's kind of like makes no like sense in a world where like really nothing makes sense. You're not really supposed to mess with it anyway. Like think about it anyway, <laughs> but well, I, yeah, I'm not saying I don't like the bat signal. I want to be on the record for it. I do like the bat signal. Anyway, that was like a crazy tangent. I just was my thoughts as I was watching the episode. I was like, damn, the bat phone is neat. <laughs> 
Well, anyway, Bruce and Dick are at a stately Wayne Manor and they're prepping a telescope for tomorrow's eclipse. Yeah, I really uh, like this little scene for a myriad of reasons. One, I just like the two of them doing like different kind of like mundane ish things, you know, because he's 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 not just Robin's mentor. He's Bruce. uh, He's Dick Grayson's mentor, too, you know, so he's teaching about astrology and stuff. Yeah, is it's, it's sweet to see them like doing different things that uh, you know, allow Dick to grow into a respectable member of society. But their telescope fidget fiddling is uh interrupted. Alfred uh approaches and lets them know the bat phone is is ringing. Uh and the the two of them spring into action and head to police ha- headquarters once they find out Catwoman's up to no good. I did notice I of the there was a shot of them like buckling their seatbelts in like the Batmobile like startup sequence this time that I don't remember before. That just struck me as like, oh, this is a very short amount of like B-roll that can just be like scene filler if we need to extend out. Because they don't always do like the atomic batteries, batteries to power and stuff. Yeah. So I just I I'm I just noticed that and I was like, all right, that could be like a new thing they can add to the mix. Cause it's always the same shot of them like getting into police headquarters. Yeah, just like stock footage. Makes sense. It's they already have it. To be honest, even though we're like kind of like we're not binging it, binging it, but like we are like watching it with a much finer tooth comb than people would have been back in the 60s. Like, I really don't notice. Oh, I I noticed pretty quickly. I mean, I noticed, but like it doesn't stick out to me. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, I also don't care. I yeah, it's not it's not important. I just I, I watch a ton of programs with stock footage. <laughs> yeah, I mean, how much Power Rangers have we watched over our lives? Yeah, and I guess not just Power Rangers, just Japanese stuff in general does a lot of that. So uh, the, yeah, so where are we? Oh, they just arrived at police headquarters. So yeah, Batman and Robin get filled in on the different crimes that have occurred, and they very quickly, you know, they're like, oh, okay, like. It's obvious why she did all these different crimes, even though not obvious to me at all. But uh, they said something like, oh, Catwoman, she's still alive and she's back living in Gotham, they say, which like remember at the end of the the, her episode in the first season, there was like they thought she died in that cave. So I was like, oh, that's a little bit of cool continuity. But then like there's Catwoman in the movie that came out and like. I always viewed the Lee Merriweather and Julie Newmar cat women as like the same character. So Do like, not view... I view Eartha Kitt as a separate cat woman because she's very different personality wise too. Uh, whereas like the other, the, the white cat women are kind of very similar. Like they, they strike me as like, they were just writing the same character for both of them. So I don't know where these things fall in the timeline, but like as watching, I was like, Oh, I appreciated that. They remembered that. Like they thought Catwoman died last time they saw her. I, I mean, I haven't seen any of the Eartha Kit episodes, so I can't speak to that. But yeah, I've definitely taken them as the same character. Yeah. But uh I mean, I'll be honest, when I was young, I thought they were the same person. So like Yeah, I mean I, Yeah, what do I know? I know I know they're very clearly they're different people now, but when you're young, like, oh, that's Catwoman. Yeah, I mean, all right. So if we're like gonna like use a fine tooth comb. To like analyze that. Yeah. And like uh maybe if people are just like listening to this and haven't watched any, you know, haven't watched the movie. Which like, those people are are madmen. Yeah, well, maybe they're just like watching along with us, which yeah, 
I mean, yeah, yeah. I'm saying, yeah, you should be watching the show along with us. If you just want listen to us talk about it, this is not. I <laughs> that's pretty strange to me, but I appreciate the listen and uh, thank you. I'm sure someone somewhere does please that us, to some show. Maybe not our please, show, but please give us five stars. Um, it goes a long way. <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah. I feel like so this epi this this duo of episodes kind of establish like a batman catwoman like romance a little bit spoiler alert yeah if that's something i want to get into maybe when we get to the end of the second part of this episode well so i I don't well my, my point is is like i know that's a big part of like catwoman in general and it got me thinking like while watching this is like do like like what do i prefer catwoman's character to kind of be like cool well we we can we can analyze that later but i want to i I do want to touch on that at some point well i I bring it up in relation to the movie because batwoman and catwoman and batman have a romance in the movie yes which like kind of although i'll point out that it's bruce wayne and catwoman and like he doesn't realize it's Catwoman until the very end. So it is different than like kind of what it is in this, where it's more like the costume personas. Does that make sense? It does, but I feel like maybe all three, because of that and the nature of these two things, I feel like maybe we should just, maybe that's a thing we can pay attention to as we go through the series. But I think I'm I'm more I think when when I started this I assumed all three Catwoman women were the same character. Okay. And now I'm thinking maybe they're all separate characters. Yeah, I, that, I know that's been the thing that's like debated over the years. I never really like paid that much attention to like the fan discourse or whatever. But like, I I know from what I remember of the Eartha Kit Catwoman, she's a very different person. I know she's way more into the cat puns. Not that this one is devoid of them, but yeah. I mean, I also feel like how much this show doesn't feel very scripted to me. Like, I wonder how much is just like the characters doing their own thing. I do feel like the, the actors. Act- yeah, I do feel like because I've read some interviews with some of the actors as we've gone. It feels like they gotta have a lot of their personality kind of come to the fore. Like in our bat book, uh, there's for these episodes, there's like a little interview with Julie Newmar and talking about like how she really liked being able to be a bad guy in this because at the time women just couldn't, there was no the roles like that. So I think she went like a little bit more over the top than was on the page just because she could, which is cool. I like it. Yeah. Like, and I will say this Catwoman is way more campy than the one in the movie. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Like they are, like that's what I'm saying. Like written, I feel like the same character but they are portrayed like differently yeah so anyway just something yeah. i want to bring up uh we can continue along with the episode yeah uh, yeah I, I, I'm, I'm sorry i just wanted to that was just my thoughts as I'm, i was watching the episode like i did think it was cool that they mentioned oh yeah she's alive is she, um, actually, actually i think she's one of the at first season i'm thinking about it is she the only villain they did not catch at the end of the season yeah by the end of the first season oh maybe yeah, I think so. Oh, did False Face get away? I don't remember now. I'd have to go back. It's not that important. I just it's just a, a thought that occurred to my head right now. Yeah, I don't I have no idea. So Batman, I forget exactly what he says, but he's talking about catching criminals and he's like, "Oh, like 
to catch a mouse, you use cheese. So to catch a cat, what do you use? Yeah, and Robin was like a canary. And of course he's right. Well, first he was like a bird. Oh, yeah, yeah. And he I was like, bird. and Batman's like, oh, what kind of bird? And I'm like, what the hell is this? Yeah. Um, and then yeah, he he elaborates a canary, but I thought they were gonna go with a Robin. See, I thought they were going to too, and Robin was gonna be some sort of weird bait. Yeah. But I guess that's not really Batman's style. No, and that would also be really weird. Like for Catwoman to be like, ooh, Robin is just sitting in this one building by himself for some reason. <laughs> That's not suspicious at all. Yeah, no. And they do comment on like, she's pretty intelligent later on. Batman and Robin leave police headquarters to like, catch a trap. And Commissioner Gordon says to Chief O'Hara that there's two basics in life. And O'Hara's like, oh, death and taxes? And Gordon replies, Batman and Robin. Yeah, they have two things you can depend on. That's what it was. I think. Yeah. I mean, death and taxes still exist, I presume, in this world. Oh, yeah. They talk about it later. Yeah. Next episode. <laughs> yeah, I know they mentioned like uh, where money from parking meters go. But um, but yeah, they, they're going to reach out to like a reporter who's very strange to like plant a story in the newspaper, right? Yeah, I, I wouldn't call him a reporter. He's more of a gossip column, right? I mean, I guess that's reporting. And I mean, yeah, he, he, he basically, but he has a regular column in the paper. Yeah, and his uh, uh, like his name is Jack O'Shea. Yeah, and his uh, office is like a very specific phone booth that he hangs out in, which yeah. I think already they mentioned that Gotham is a metropolis at this point, right? Yeah. So obviously, metropolis just means city. It doesn't necessarily mean they're referring to Superman. And then they have this guy who is that classic like reporter outfit that Superman still sometimes is portrayed as having. Uh, as Clark Kent in a phone booth. I'm like, I know they're not referencing it, but like my brain kept going back to Superman. Yeah, I get why it would, especially because like no one dresses like this today. Yeah, and And they sometimes still have Clark Kent look like that. Yeah, and obviously there's uh, no phone booths or not many phone booths like that left. Yeah, and to be fair, like I think it's a cool look and I think Clark makes it work. Oh, yeah, for sure. So, yeah, they ask Jack O'Shea. Uh, it's funny when Batman brings him up, he's like, he's talking about how he like really doesn't like his energy. Yeah, he's like a little too theatrical, right? Yeah. And I'm I like, that was I'm like son, look at yourself. Yeah. So anyway, they call him up and he's like, hey, Batman, baby. Like, he definitely has a loud personality. But yeah, they ask him to uh, run a story about a rare canary at the Gotham City Natural History Museum. And he agrees to do it. And, you know, he asks Batman if they want to, like, get dinner at some point or something like that. Yeah, he's like, Batman doll, whatever. Like, <laughs> yeah, he's very, like, 60s hipster, like, like, greasy kind of guy, like. Not like a greaser, but like personality wise, he's got, like he's got a bit of a used car salesman vibe. Definitely. And I'm like, this guy has way too much personality. How is he going to get involved in the plot? Yeah, exactly. I, I was like, either this guy is like some really famous actor who I don't know who this cameo is. I thought same thing too. I was like, it's either, it's either this is like a, a cameo or like he's going to be like a villain or something. 
Yeah. So Batman like refuses his offer and just is like, I will, I will say, I feel like Batman is like kind of a dick about it, especially since he just like asked this dude for a favor. And the dude was also very uh, reasonably at the beginning of the phone call, be like, you're not Batman. Who is this? Like who's putting like someone's pulling like a gag on him. Yeah. And Batman has like no way to prove that it's him over the phone. <laughs> yeah. So, but even then I was thinking like, I was like, oh yeah, he could just have showed up. He knows exactly where it is, but we've had like other people like show up and impersonate Batman. And like commissioner Gordon didn't realize that's true. You know? So God, what a weird episode that was. Yeah, I don't remember what that episode was, but that was that was cool. I I I remember digging that. We cut to Catwoman's lair, and uh, we find out that all of these cat burglars stealing these miscellaneous items were just a test in Catwoman's like training course for these cat burglars. Yeah, it's like a like a criminal like school. Yeah, and she reveals that like all those all the tests were meaningless. She's like building to a bigger plot. Yeah, which I felt they were kind of meaningless. She stole some mittens from some babies. Yeah. So it's and like, all right. Cutting back to Jack O'Shea's phone booth office. He pulls out like a secret gossip transmitter and he makes a call which connects with Catwoman in her lair. Yeah, there's like a leopard head on the wall, like a little receiver comes out of its mouth and then she pulls out and listens to him. So yeah, so he's on Catwoman's take or whatever. Yeah, and now this just all feels a little too convenient for me. Fair I'll enough. like buy into it. It doesn't like ruin my enjoyment, but as I'm sitting here like talking about it, it's just like Okay, so, like, the one time Batman goes to use this guy to help, like, foil a criminal, this guy is, like, working with Catwoman? Yeah. I th- it, You know, if he didn't do that, it would have been kind of fun to have, like, a reoccurring, like, just another, some other reoccurring civilians in the show. Like, that could have been fun. That's true. Or even if they, even if he was still like working with Catwoman, because his whole thing is like gossip. So he's just like, I gotta have connections with everybody, and then maybe he shows up in like a Riddler episode or something, you know? That would be really cool. Who's I, the DC I, character who is that? Oh, there's like um, what's his he's, name like Calculator or something? He's yeah, like the bad guy version of Oracle. Yeah, I exactly. I forget what his name is, but yeah, uh, oh man, I haven't, they haven't used him in forever. I mean, I wouldn't know. I haven't. Or they might have been using him in just in comics I haven't been paying attention to. Yeah. But I know who you're talking about. That's going to drive me crazy. Later in the episode, maybe next episode, I'll just blurt out a name and that'd be who it is. Yeah, I think I think it is the calculator, though. I think it is, but like that sounds wrong. It sounds right to me. Okay. Anyway, it would be it would have been very cool if Jack O'Shea was the calculator. So anyway. You know, Catwoman, knowing that Batman is setting a trap for her, decides to use this to set a trap for Batman instead. Back at the Batcave, Batman's working on uh, some bat jets. Yeah, which he mentions like uh, uh, that, you know, they haven't had time to test them yet, but, you know, 
they start talking about the Boy Scout model of being prepared. Like he doesn't know what he's going to use them for, but you know, you don't know you might need them at some point. Yeah. Probably in this episode or the next. Yeah. I mean, obviously that was that, but even if like, you know, that's just this, I, I appreciate that there was set up for a gadget. Oh, totally. Cause usually just like, Oh, here's a bat laser gun that like melts doors or whatever. Like what? Why haven't we used this the whole time? Yeah. I'm using it every day. In the same model of being prepared, Alfred, who brings them a meal that they don't have time to eat, is prepared with a doggy bag. Yeah. And I thought that was cute. It reminded me of the, uh, I think it was Batman Returns commercials for McDonald's, where it's like, I'll get drive through because they're going to probably eat it while they're, they're about to hop in the Batmobile and take off. Well, I get drive. I'll get drive through as a line from Batman Forever. I think. Well, they used it in the commercial originally. Like that's what I originally remember it from. But yeah, I'll get drive through the very beginning of uh, of Batman Forever, which Batman Forever sucks. I haven't seen that in forever, but I remember really hating it. I hate that movie. <laughs> yeah. At the uh, Gotham Natural History Museum. The dynamic duo just are kind of crouched in the dark. And Batman is just like, if my calculations are correct, a cat burglar will come through this window in six seconds. Now, when they're crouched in the dark, this was a th- thought I had, like, because Robin, like, they have very different color schemes. And, like, you know, they kind of, like, have their capes pulled up and stuff. I know it's silly, like, what they look like, but I was like, damn, they look cool. Like it's just like a like a like a big dynamic pose. It's very comic booky. Like that's why superheroes have capes to begin with. Is like you can do all these like cool like poses and things with them. Like they look neat. And I, was just, I don't know. It just was a thought I had. I was like that looks cool. Yeah, I mean the capes are cool. They're cool. I love. Yeah. I love the costume design on this show. Yeah, everyone looks great, even if the villain's not particularly like interesting or whatever. But like. Everyone looks cool all the time, at least so far. But yeah, I don't know what kind of calculations Batman uses uh, to predict the exact second a criminal will enter a room, but he's... I mean, he was right. Yeah, he's exactly right. Yeah. Uh, They confront him, and this Capergore is just like, hey, hey. Yeah, it's just one guy. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. He got me outnumbered. I'm just a poor guy trying to make his way in the world. And I was like, yeah, most goons would probably be like down on their luck, guys. They're not evil. Batman's just like, oh, I'm disappointed that Catwoman didn't show up herself. Meanwhile, yeah, Catwoman and the rest of her gang has like snuck, snuck up behind them. Yeah. And I like that the guy, the guy's like, well, she is. Just look behind you. Like, we're not falling for that. And I was like, that's kind of funny. Yeah, like a, a fun twist on it way. rather than like, gulp, they're behind me, aren't they? Is what like I always expect that to go because it usually does because that's the lamest way you can do that. <laughs> There's a fight. Always fun. Yeah. I love that Julie Newmar's Catwoman just kind of like chills off to the side. Yeah, she's like barely interested. I'm sure there's some sort of like censorship mandate. Like they can't have violence against women. But like, you know, she's like, well, I'm in, it's very cat like she's like, I'm in charge, whatever, doing my own thing. Yeah. This is why I have hired help. It is very cool. But, you know, as as she's doing this, I'm just thinking, like, what a bad trap this is. I was thinking that, too. Like, I was like, how is this different than if they just showed up? Yeah. You know, 
But I guess uh, she had these dart guns on her. Yeah, they're shaped like cats. Yeah, very cool. Uh, And she shoots Batman and Robin with them and they get knocked out. Briefly. Yeah, they get paralyzed for like a minute, I think they say. Like it's it's very, very temporary. Yeah. But um I was like, okay, at least you had this. Because uh, they knew they were gonna run into Batman and Robin, you know. Yeah. As Robin gets hit with the dart, she yells, Holy D'Artagnan. I thought that was kind of stupid and funny, like the right, you know, the right kind of dumb. Yeah, it was very much the right because he says it like dart tanyan like he puts the emphasis on dart yes versus i feel like the lazy way would just be like holy dart because like, he would just he says stuff like that sometimes where it's very on the nose yeah uh so her plan here is to just throw them out the window which i love which i was like you know what i yeah that would be the quickest way to do it i guess since they're not they don't have real guns uh so yeah the goons throw Batman and Robin out the window. I'll be honest with you. I Part of me was like, it's way too early, right? Because that just felt like the cliffhanger. Yes. I was like, it's way too early for that. Yeah. It, it also did feel like the cliffhanger to me, though. But, um, and then they just throw them out the window. I was like, oh, you know, yeah, obviously, I was like, yeah. how did they, like, what happens here? Uh, fortunately, we don't have to wait too long to find out. Yeah. Batman and Robin expecting Catwoman to jump out the window. No, I think they expected her to they expect her to do a parachute on the, the canary cage. Like she did oh. for the other ones. So they had already had like a fishing net set up. So they just landed on that, which Catwoman and those guys didn't notice because I thought they also came through those windows. Yeah. But I could have been mistaken. I don't know. But yeah, they had these nets set up. Uh which it's silly and dumb that they had that set up, but like it kind of made sense with how she stole like in the beginning of the episode. Yeah. So I was like, okay, it works. It's very plausible with this show's logic, like more so than they usually do. Cause I feel like before they would have just been like, Oh, there's just nuts that like exploded out of their bat belts or something stupid. Yeah. I mean, it also could have been like scaffolding nets or something. Yeah. I mean, in the Archer episode, they just had springs in their boots for some reason. Sometimes but, you got springs in your boots. So sometimes it's, it's sometimes it's much less set up and much dumber. Uh, I like they mentioned that they got the nets from Captain Ahab at the White Whale Fishing Company or something. Yeah, that was cute. Yeah, I thought that was funny. Uh, so we cut forward. It's the next day. Batman and Robin are at uh, police headquarters. They're reading uh, one of uh, Jack O'Shea's gossip columns about them and yeah how- like how they messed up this mission yeah real bad and like it's really scathing batman's pretty ticked off and like at this point i was like oh is this gonna be like a public opinion turns against batman like story mm-hmm. but that never really comes back yeah i think it's just be like oh that guy's a jerk yeah i mean to be fair if they screwed up their mission and he's like kind of a salacious reporter so it's like i yeah you definitely would play that up like of course that's his job it's fun to see like batman's ego kind of take a hit yeah because usually he's very selfless and like i feel like he would take the ego out of things most of the time yeah but i guess there there is an unfair element to this as well it's like oh they were actually sort of prepared for us even though like that was the worst double tra- like trap on a trap i've ever seen in fiction yeah 
It was just, we're going to run in and just fight them anyway. Batman's, you know, brooding over this article is interrupted uh, because O'Hara has one of the goons in captivity. I guess they caught him the night before. Yeah, I think I think they mentioned they caught them escaping the museum or wherever they were uh, when the fight happened. Because, you know, since they knew that Cal, it was a trap for Cal and stuff, I'm sure the police were kind of like on like in the air, like in the wings for it. Yeah, that makes sense. But yeah, yeah. So they caught one of the guys and he's he's like they drag him in and he's like, I'll never talk. I'll never talk. And then Chief O'Hara like raises a fist at well, him. Because he's like, you can beat me or whatever. And like, yeah, Chief O'Hara, like he he, he threatens police brutality a lot. <laughs> But like, to be fair, Batman threatens it too. But like, he never follows through with it in, in this show, really. And like, this is the Batman I would believe that the least from. True. But you know, like, then he sees like Batman and Robin are there, and he kind of gets scared of them, I guess. Well, well, O'Hara like raises his fist, and he's just like, "Okay, never mind. I'll talk. I'll talk." Yeah. So we find out a couple things, a couple yeah. clues from this goon. Whenever he's brought to Catwoman HQ, he's blindfolded, so he doesn't know exactly where that is. Uh, But what he does know is that while he's blindfolded, he can hear rock and roll, Mm -hmm. uh, the sound of people like stomping, and like when the music stops, he can hear cats meowing. So that's the clues for the hideout, and then the other bit of information he has is that like, Catwoman's biggest caper is happening tonight. We cut to Stately Wayne Manor, and <laughs> Aunt Harriet is like dancing around the living room with her like hands, hand. like yeah, like like as like doing like cat paw moves. Yeah, and it looks absolutely ridiculous. It looks really stupid. But okay, so yeah. let me uh, jump back a little bit. After the goon says that, like, the caper is tonight, mm-hmm. Batman says, like, something like, oh, well, it's 10 a.m. now, so we don't have much time to crack her scheme. And it's funny, because I thought of Aunt Harriet in this scene, because Robin, you know, he Dick was out late the night before, yeah, he should like Dick should be at school now. Even if he doesn't have school, he's like out yeah. really late at night and then like out again in the morning. Mm-hmm. And just like it's like, oh, I wonder at this point, I was like, oh, I wonder what like Aunt Harriet thinks about all this. And then it's funny to like immediately cut to her like dancing like an idiot, like fair totally, enough, totally unaware. Well, who who interrupts her? It's Alfred, right? Well, no, she tries to get Alfred to, like, dance with her. Yeah, but but he's the character that enters the scene. Yes, but eventually they all do. Yeah. Well, because uh, Alfred mentions, like, uh, uh, no, I got a back injury in the war, which I'm assuming is World War One. You think like, so? Well, because World War Two would have been, like, 20 years ago, and he's, like, what, in his 60s? World War One would have been, like, in the 20s, so he probably would be, like, in the, if he was in his 60s, and then he'd be in his, like, 20s then. Ah. Uh. But it could also just been like an excuse to not dance. True. So I know that they eventually added like Alfred was like a super secret agent to his backstory eventually in Batman stuff, but I'd believe it. Yeah. Uh especially for this Alfred. He's the best Alfred. 
No arguments here. Uh, Bruce and Dick enter the scene and Dick like just being a dick kind of just like turns the music off. And he's like, oh, this music's terrible, which to be fair, I agree. But, you know, that's his aunt and she found something that she enjoys. Yeah, like be happy she's not like just like doting over you like a child. Yeah, what she usually is doing. Yeah. So yeah, Aunt Harriet says it's a new dance called the Cat Tusi, uh, by the band Benedict Arnold and the Traders, which well, I'm definitely an, yeah. stealing that name. I say that's an awesome band name, like for a punk band. Yeah, it's um, I think it's a play on the uh, on Paul Revere and the Raiders, though. That makes sense. And obviously, like, and obviously, it's a from the bad guys. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, I just thought that was such a cool name. I was like making note. I also thought it was a cool name. Aunt Harriet said, like, she heard it at this restaurant dance club called the Pink Sandbox. And I'm just yeah. like, dang, how like hip of a lady is Aunt Harriet? Yeah, I thought that was kind of cool that she knew all that stuff. Yeah, I never thought she was cooler than this episode. Especially when we showed it to us. Like, it's like a lot of young people. It's like, why doesn't Dick know about this? I mean, he's super lame. We've seen him in school now, but. (laughs) Yeah, I like. So, yeah, the next scene we're in the pink sandbox and like. It's a cool spot. So it's like half like go-go dance bar and like restaurant yes like a cafe which like oh whatever i i think it works for me but there's like a lady in a cage like isn't that like usually in like adult places uh just like you know it's just like a go-go club uh, to be fair, I don't realize how common that is in like the '60s. So like maybe that was like a not an un, 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 like unusual thing. Yeah, and like I mean, I know Robin is in there, but like you know, it 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 seems like an okay place for him to be. Yeah, well, because then we yeah, as they pan through there, we see everyone doing that dance with that same song playing. But like then Batman and Robin are just sitting at a booth with like menus. And like yeah. the absurdity like of that shot I thought was amazing. Oh yeah, it's great. Like if this place was just on the level, I'd be like, that's so funny and weird. But it makes sense. Like they also have to eat too. Like that probably would happen in like places around the t- around Gotham. It'd be like, oh yeah, when like someone famous like walks into do you think they have like headshots they sign like for people they put on the wall? Oh like, the and stuff they go to. I would hope so. Yeah. Um, or do you think they just show up, eat people's food, and then are like, "God, no one's gonna believe you to believe you when you tell them this." <laughs> no one will ever believe you. Yeah, I don't know if that's a real story, but I want to believe that it's real. I think I think it was Bill Murray, right? Yeah. Yeah. Bill Murray shows up places. Yeah, I know Tom Hanks sometimes does too. I had this all right this is like a crazy tangent um let it rip i had this like strong christmas wish like damn this is like nine years ago now 
I think I remember this, but yeah. Um, I played in a, a Christmas band. Maybe it wasn't nine years ago. It was way more recent than that. Maybe like five or six years ago. Uh, anyway, I played in this Christmas like band. It was just like all... Or no, it was like mostly original Christmas songs that my friend wrote. But uh, we covered a song from the Bill Murray like Christmas special. And like a month or two before, like Bill Murray like showed up at the bar we were supposed to play at. And I was like, yo, I will believe in Santa, Jesus, anything. If Bill Murray shows up. And you're playing his song. Yeah. Alas, he didn't show up. So yeah. Yeah. I mean, not that you're not that not that you know of. I was looking for him. Oh, he still could have been there. Anyway, Santa's not real, kids. Hey, I believe. Anyway, after asking about the specials, Batman and Robin start talking amongst themselves about how. This time they're going to turn the tables on Catwoman. Yeah, and all the specials were like cat themed, like puns. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, yeah, they mentioned to turn the tables on Catwoman. I like this part. And uh, their table and like booth just like spins around. It's like a trap door and it throws them into this room. Like, yeah, metal room with like a circular like window in the ceiling that Catwoman is like laying next to yeah yeah so I thought that was great yeah this was that was really fun Catwoman was really fun in this scene like in particular yeah and like here like once again we have another instance of like a criminal just like controlling an entire business yeah like, how long has she had this place? Yeah. You know, they have, like, records and stuff pressed. And, like, all right, say you're Catwoman and Batman and Robin walk into this restaurant that you secretly own. Yeah. Like, are you just going to, like, blow your cover on this restaurant? I mean, to be fair, she has the opportunity to kill them. Like, I get it. You got to take your shot. Yeah, except, like, she doesn't take her shot. She like does the most roundabout way of killing them ever. Okay. So anyway, uh, it's as roundabout as every villain's way of killing them. Yeah. But I guess like, I don't know. I would just keep my dance club and just like, yeah. Like if they didn't like capture him, would they be like, well, maybe this was the wrong lead. Yeah. Anyway. uh, Yeah. Batman and Robin are like trapped in this room and Catwoman's taunting them. And it's here that she, like, begins, like, kind of flirting with Batman. Oh, yeah. So she mentions, like, oh, he could have made it work, you know, like, but she mentions, like, oh, Riddler called me up for a date or whatever. He's pretty handsome, but, like, I don't like the green hair. And then she mentions that Penguin's too small for her. I just like when they reference the other villains and stuff. Yeah. I thought that was really cool. And just the idea of, like, the Joker calling, like, this Joker calling someone for, like, a date is funny to me. Yeah, like, where would they go? I imagine. Yeah, what would they do? (laughs) And then that's what got me thinking about the movie and stuff, too. I was like, do they hate each other? Like, they didn't seem to be, like, friends in that. It was more like, uh, like, convenience. Does that make sense? (laughs) Like, but, um, you know, 
Batman mentions like, oh, maybe you're just with the wrong crowd. But, you know, fair. Yeah, but I feel like this is usually, this is the role, like, and it's interesting because, like, in this story, it's the main villain, but, like. Yeah, I think that's why this doesn't, like, annoy me as much as when it's always, like, the mall, like, because it's the main character. And it is a major part of, like, Catwoman's, like, depiction and characterization over the years. Like, she is, like, the she was created to be, like, the femme fatale, and this is, like, a part of that trope. Yeah. And like I said, I like that for the most part, she's kind of unapologetically a bad guy in the series. Yeah, she like doesn't like, even though she like is kind of like showing interest in Batman here, she doesn't, unlike the other, you know, ladies, she doesn't like, you know, fucking. It, it almost feels like she's teasing him. You know what I mean? Yes. Like it's not genuine. But, you know, she's, she's lonely deep down. I mean, you know, um, got all her cat men. I love that, like, Batman, he just, like, kind of is, like, going on this, like, rant and, like, calling her, like, a wicked sor- sorceress and... Yeah, all of their, like, like, insults for, like, women are so crazy. Yeah. Because they can't like... just call her a bitch. <laughs> they have to call her, like, a witch or some sort of related type of thing. Because, yeah, they mentioned, like... She's a sorceress. She's like, she's like satanic. Like yeah, he's going like, crazy. <laughs> yeah. Like Batman's so offended that like one of these arch criminals could be like a woman or something. <laughs> um so Catwoman like turns on the heated floor in the room that they're in. Yeah, to give them the ultimate hot foot. Yeah. And I was like, okay, this is the end of the episode cliffhanger. <laughs> Not quite. We're still not there. So Batman and Robin are like jumping around. Yeah. Because like, their feet are so hot. Yeah. Even though their feet are bulletproof. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I'm I'm buying into it enough at this point that I'm like, okay, I get it. Catwoman like cracks some eggs and like throws them down there. And just... Yeah, and you see them. Yeah, they like they're like cooked on the side on the floor. Just to show yeah. us at home, like how hot it actually is. <laughs> it's so ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, so Batman is like, "Oh, we'll break this like water pipe." Yeah, and but I was—I remember at the time thinking, like, that was dumb of her to have that there, but no, it's full of catatonic spray, which yeah. will knock them out, or like a catatonic gas. Sorry, because uh, you know it's got "cat" in the title. Yeah. So I thought she was just going to, like, let them cook on the floor, but... So did I, because they they do it and they fall, and, like, if that's that hot, like, they'd be, like... Those burns they would have got, even through their bat suits, would have been, like... Robin's... I I think in-universe, in he's not wearing pants. Like, I know he's wearing, like, a, like leggings in real life, but... Uh, like, yeah, that would have been the end of them. Like, real yeah. easy. So... But no... They take them to the roof. And they tie them up to these, like, giant, like, human-sized, like, cooking pans. Yeah, they're like, it's like human-sized barbecue grills. Yeah. They're, like, mirrored underneath. Yeah, with, like, aluminum foil to, like, catch the heat. and Yeah. 
And if that wasn't enough, they put giant magnifying glasses over top of them. As they were pulling out the magnifying glasses, it's like, okay, we've really like lost the plot here. Because I was like, why is she? Because like the last thing she was just doing them was like cooking related, and I was like, I guess she has a restaurant, so that's on her mind. But I was like, why? Who sells giant mag like human size like magnifying glasses like to burn humans? Yeah, who knows, dude? I bet there's like a a big criminal like on like black market underground that that like maybe Batman can't even figure out like the secret to. Maybe the I did look it up. It is the calculator. Maybe the calculator is a big thing in this universe, supplying all these like novelty things and like businesses and stuff that are prepared just for villains. I wish, God, Damn, that would so actually be cool. Kind of cool, um, but um, yeah. So this is the end of the episode cliffhanger. Yeah. Uh. Yeah, Batman and Robin, they're going to get cooked to death. Yeah, their goose is cooked. Uh, what did you think of this episode? Um, I thought, well, A, it was a big step up from like the Archer story. Not that I partic- didn't particularly hate that episode or anything, but it was like the most by the numbers, like boring kind of interpretation of Batman. And I like this way more than Catwoman's first uh, episodes. Yeah, I'm having a lot of fun with this. Yeah, I really like kind of rejuvenated like, the Archer one, I was like, oh no, is this what the season's going to be? And then I was like, and then this one came up, I was like, okay, this was a lot of fun. Yeah, I, like, was, I was very surprised. Yeah. Like, I, I, we'll save it for the end of, of next episode, but like, I have thoughts on this depiction of Catwoman and I'm not sure if I like or dislike this version. Interesting. Yeah. Well, so, to find out Scott's thoughts and if Batman and Robin live, tune in uh, next time. Same cat cast time, same cat cast channel. Mm-hmm.